what is engagement? How are we going to measure that? And it was just great. Kids have a natural tendency to fade out towards the end of the year. It'll be super interesting to see if that happens again with distance learning. And if it does, what are we going to do to combat that? And this, this interview we have coming up with, with uh, Joe McCarthy, the 2000, 2012 Minnesota uh, FIA Teacher of the Year. He's a, a national presenter, you know, state presenter at MinShape, and really brought some, some insight to engagement. And Fun opportunities for them to engage in meaningful activities. So like I'm learning more about some of my students than I ever knew being in the classroom. And build that habit of lifelong living Movement is great, and we want to do this for a lifetime. Like I pride myself on being able to provide that resource for my students, and you don't get that over email. Welcome, physical educators. This is Thinking PE. Because FIAD is more than just fun and games. I'm Stacy Nelson. And I'm Jamie Seneca. And it's our goal to dig deeper beyond the activities that make your class awesome. So buckle up and join us on this journey. So hey, welcome physical educators to another another episode of uh, Thinking PE here. This this week we've got we've got engagement, creativity with content. Last the last few episodes we talked about that connection over content and uh, the relationships part. And now we're really going to focus on being creative with that content to, to boost engagement. Yeah, I'm excited about taking a look at this. I think this will be practical. I'm hoping to, to get to that point where people look at it and say, oh, that's what I could do. Um, something very specific, uh, you know, you and I like to talk thinking PE and think the why is behind it, but it's also fun to, it's fun to talk about create, creative people and exactly what are these people doing to, to make an impact. And this, this interview we have coming up with, with uh, Joe McCarthy, the 2000, 2012 Minnesota uh, FIA Teacher of the Year. He's a, a national presenter, you know, state presenter at MinShape and really brought some, some insight to engagement and, and I just it was really it was really good to listen to what he had to say. Yeah he's got a good way of thinking about PE in general so it's fun to just tap his brain for a few minutes and uh, see what again what he's doing and even on a larger scale um, what, what we all can be thinking about as we transition I guess I, I say transition but we're five weeks, five weeks into this, six weeks into this. Um, so we're not transitioning anymore. In some ways, we're, we're head on into this distance learning. And, and so it's fun to listen to him talk um, on a large scale about what it is we could be thinking about as we plan our lessons. You know, and that's, that's the key is we were, we were all thrown in this situation where, okay, for two weeks here, you know, the governor comes out, school's closed for two weeks. You know, we put a band-aid on that two weeks to try to try to make things work, tried a few things, but you know, now school districts around the nation are closed for the year. So we're now we're now we're taking a more diligent approach to the planning and making it mean, okay, now now we're gonna do this for six more weeks. So how are we gonna how are we gonna provide that instruction? What is engagement? How are we gonna measure that? And it was just great to, you know, just talking to Joe, right? He just had some great points and, and you know, some very specific things to focus on. Yeah, I think this is going to become super, super relevant to a lot of us teachers as we get closer to summer. I mean, in school, kids have a natural tendency to try to fade out, not try. Kids have a natural tendency to fade out towards the end of the year. It'll be super interesting to see if that happens again with distance learning. 
And if it does, what are we going to do to combat that? Or we just bite the bullet and do the best we can. I don't know, but I think creativity is going to be a play a key role in the last few weeks of the school year. You got it. That, that creativity with the content, because you said it, staff and students alike, as the, as the yeah. year comes to an end, we all, we all start looking towards summer. And now we've got to capture their attention. We've got to capture their engagement. And, and how are we going to do it? So uh, let's not hold them any longer. Let's listen to some of this, uh, some of this interview with Joe McCarthy. Then I'm sending them in my mind, you know, fun opportunities for them to engage in meaningful activities, whether that's inside, whether that's outside, where it might be by themselves with people, no equipment, no equipment. And what I'm loving is I get responses back almost over 50 every day. I've collected almost over a thousand responses from my students. Maybe either them just a word document on how they're being active. Hey, Mr. McCarthy, check out this video. Look at what I'm doing at home. Look at what I'm learning. You taught me this before Christmas time, but now I'm going to take that and transfer it to outside physical activity, which I love. Right? They're remembering the key concepts of a certain skill or maybe a movement concept, and they're putting it together in place at home and then sending me pictures and videos of what they learned from me, transfer it at home, and then also teaching it to a family member or a friend, which is even more awesome. Yeah. Yep. So what can I do to be creative and imaginative? to really make it meaningful for them. Because I don't want it meaningful to me, I want it meaningful to them. So yeah. when they submit things back to me through Schoology, either through Word documents, through pictures, or, or through videos, uh, it's, it's a really joy of me to see what they're doing at home from what they've learned from me through a video. So that's something new for me that I've struggled with, but I'm finding more joy week after week. Really like with my own family, like, my fifth grader can do his work by himself. Okay. But my first grader, I got to be side by side. Yeah. Right? He can read, but he can't read everything. Yeah. Okay. Right? So when I send out videos, that helps a lot. Because videos, you don't have to read. Yeah. Videos, you can just listen to. So I know for that K-1-2 student, my video is really important. Oh, that's a really good point. Another... You know, three, four, five can read the instructions but K1-2, like when I post my videos, I will do what's called um, screencast-o-matic. Yep. So I'm talking like this, and then my slides are over here as I scroll through them, but I can talk through the lesson plan. Yeah. And that really helps my K-1-2 students. I bet. That's a really good point. And your K-1-2 parents. Yeah. More, the students are more, yeah, the students are more independent and uh, more equally engaged. Agreed. Yeah. Would you think you're going to get better reaction from students for a video you do yourself that's maybe a little lower quality compared to copying pasting somebody else's video? There's just some great content out there. You've, you've been out there. You know people put some time. Do you, where do you where do you um, work, work with that kind of an idea? You, what you put out might be a little lower quality, but it's you, it's personal, it's my kids. It's, whereas this video is really cool, but it's not you. Do you think yeah. you're gonna get more or do you, do you blend the two? Low tech, low tech make, and make it personal. Right. Cool. That's what kids wanna see. Cool. You know, think of, think of the hobbies that you have, right? We have hobbies because I get something out of it. Yeah. Not Stacy. Yeah. Not Jamie. 
right? I play basketball because I get joined passion playing basketball. Yeah. Right. And that's with our students. They're going to do something because they get joined passion when they've learned it from us because they know that we care about them. Well, I truly believe if I did not send out any personal videos, I won't get any responses back from kids. Right. That's true. So I think me sending out those personal videos of that, I, I am a real person. I do live in a house. I do have a family. And they can make that personal connection back and forth. Then they're going to go out and try. They're going to try things that I've taught them in class, even though it might be challenging. Yeah. Or even better, they're going to try it and teach some, a friend or family member something they've learned in class and transfer that learning from in school to out of school. Yeah. And build that habit of lifelong living. Movement is great. And we want to do this for a lifetime. So after interviewing Joe, here's the part that really jumped out at me was his statement on, on low quality videos that are personal being more effective and more engaging for the students than some of the, the some of the professionally done or, or really high quality things that, that we might find online or on, on social yeah. media. That fits with that survey we did of parents and students. They, uh, they kind of indicated that that was dead last on all the activities that we, um, that we offered in the, re, in the survey, that the videos done without the teacher in them are ranked dead last. Now, if, if you have a really good one and they get to dance along with it, that ranked a little bit higher. But uh, any, any type of a teaching video or that type of thing, where the, where the teacher's not in the video, they, uh, it doesn't mean it's not effective at all and you can't use them, but it, it's, as far as engagement, the kids kind of indicated that that was pretty low and that's exactly what Joe was saying. And it goes back, you know, in, in the previous, previous episodes here that we recorded with the connection and the content is they're, they're craving that personal relationship or that personal interaction that they, that they simply don't have with their, with their teachers or with their friends. So when they get a chance to, to you know, finally, finally hear their teacher's voice and see their teacher's face, how, how impactful that is. Yeah. And, and Joe seemed to indicate this is where you start. That doesn't mean you can't build from there, but we need to get that established, that personal connection. And again, that's what the whole last two podcasts were about is establishing that connection. And now he kind of transitioned a little bit to talking about once you have that personal side, he throws out those personal videos. He shared, uh, I love that he shared that he's getting these things back from his students to show that they are engaged and you can't separate the connection and, and the creativity here because the kids were being creative sharing with their friends or their family members how what they learned from Mr. McCarthy and, and that feeds right back into that that made them feel connected to him and so there's a circular pattern that creativity leads to more connection connection you know can drive more creativity and I think it, it just showed that there is possibility it can work that's uh one thing that sticks out too that he had talked about was was the uh the journal that he had started too, where kids were submitting their ideas and things that they were doing and and he was creating a running journal that everybody could see so that they so that they could get ideas from their friends as well and uh i just thought it's it's that it's that interaction just like you had said you can't you can't separate the the, the connection from the content yeah yeah this has really gotten me thinking 
that's the name thinking PE, I guess. <laughs> but I, I, it's really got me thinking. I think we'll do a future podcast on it, I hope, about how can we use our creativity to get these kids more connected? Not just to us, but, but to each other. Are there some group work projects? Are there some other types of materials we can send? Or are there some creative ways that we can get this out and, and be creative as, as teachers and either interact with them ourselves or I'm really kind of going down the path of trying to figure out how, how we can do group projects or how we can have them build something together so they have ownership in it and that. And I think that's going to foster right into that connection and the creativity. Yeah. I wish I had the answer right now and could just spew some ideas, but um, I think it, I'm, we're going to find it. I, I think so there's some teachers out there that, um, that are going to find a way to do this and um, we're going to hunt it down and we're, we're going to be able to deliver it to, to people on this podcast. Cause I, I think, I think that's a key for us in these last few weeks. You know, one last one last piece here of, of engagement in in, in, the, in the creativity part, but he just he Joe talked how how profound it was to him that kids were taking stuff that they had learned earlier in the year and applying it to something now you know outside of school and teaching their parents how to do something, and I guess that's 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 the engagement at least I at least I have been always looking for to extend extend my gym past the past the walls of the school. How do we bring that activity in the homes and stuff and and like Joe had said, if you're having kids that are taking stuff they learned and applying it outside the class and even teaching it to their parents or to, to their siblings, that's, I think that's, that's some of the highest level engagement that we can look for. Yeah, that's a win for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping we can get see a lot more of that kind of thing and, and know it, get some feedback so we know it's happening. And it, and it makes the students those lifelong movers that, and that's, that's our goal. Absolutely. So an interesting one here too, you know, Joe had talked about using the videos to really help his, his uh, kindergarten, first and second grade students uh, with the directions. You know, third, fourth and fifth grade, they can, they can read a set of directions, but those videos help, really help parents too, so that the kindergarten, first and second graders can, can be more engaging. And as we look ahead here to some uh, middle school and, and secondary levels, uh, I, I think we see a pretty clear a pretty clear progression in the expectations we have for our students and what we expect as far as engagement too. So it's really interesting here when we talk about Lauren, talk to Lauren and Steve about what they thought was an effective, effective measurement and effective engagement in their classrooms. No, I'm excited to get, get to these interviews with secondary teachers and secondary students. And I think, like you said, it, the, the difference is pretty marked you can see the difference and the creativity changes immensely as you um, level up in the age of the students. So now we have, uh, we have, we have Lauren Jokey. She's a middle school teacher at St. Francis Middle School and Steve Gerard, who is a, uh, a strength teacher at St. Francis High School. And uh, it will be interesting to hear their perspectives. And we'll just li we'll listen to a little bit of the sound bites from, from their, from their interviews on what they thought was, was uh, being creative with the content and, and, and uh, measuring that engagement. We had, we had these awesome classes, we build relationships, we provide feedback, we teach the standards, we have the engagement, kids are participating in our classes and now we're all at home. What do you see as an, what will you use as an effective measure or an effective class? 
I guess the big thing that I've been bringing up with uh, my strength classes is being able to provide evidence. You know, it's very easy to see a workout plan um, and reflect, sit at your computer and reflect for five minutes when the workout is supposed to take you about a half an hour to 35 minutes. Um, so it definitely took a little while for my students to realize the, the effectiveness of evidence. Um, I started putting keywords into, okay, take a picture of your workout station for the day or uh, show me the sweat on your forehead or reflect on what parts of the bodies were, were affected throughout this workout um, instead of just saying what's one positive and one negative. Uh, that's been huge with my lifting classes. Um, we've actually been incorporating blogs. So the kids have been taking videos of themselves and reflecting back and forth. And um, I've been able to give some feedback pertaining that. Uh, but that evidence piece, you know, how do, how do you provide evidence in this distance learning when we have the targets or the, our standards, but we as FIED teachers have been so, I don't want to say conditioned, but we're used to watching for those those standards and now we can't watch you know and it's definitely a that we had we had eight days of planning before all of this stuff hit and i think seven out of those eight days was me brainstorming ways to have students provide that evidence first week i had them fill out my kids fill out two google forms one was it was basically just a check-in because i didn't know how much their other classes were going to be you know how heavy loaded their classes were going to be so one was just a mental health check-in how have they been the last three weeks since we haven't seen them you know how they you know what they did over spring break that kind of thing just to make sure that they were okay um and then another one was like what kind of physical activity they did for that week and i told them they had to do at least three days of some type of physical activity and so from that can you tell how many students are engaging in your lesson, how many students are actually doing the lesson, to what degree they're doing it, and that kind of kind of stuff. So the one thing that's really nice about Google Classroom is they will tell you when a student has turned in their assignment, I can grade it, and then it'll split it up into the students that have turned it in, who have mm -hmm. still have not turned in their assignment, and who have graded with their assignments. But then I gave that choice of actually get out and, and enjoy a, a a state park you know and all you got to do is take a picture of yourself in front of the of the sign and that's what, how you get your credit for the day you know and a lot of kids did utilize that where they were getting out and, and enjoying the fresh air and they you know they maybe they don't like to sit on a computer i know i have two students that i know pretty well who as soon as this distance learning thing came on i can just see them stressing out about going why well, I, I don't like being at a computer i like to be up i like to be moving um and they were two, the two students that went out and took the greatest pictures at uh, Taylor's Falls and or the Wild River over by North Branch. And so I'm gonna start to incorporate that a little bit more in my lessons. You know, how can we get our students away from a computer screen? Cause you know, as a FIA teacher, that's been our biggest downfall for the last decade is we've got all this virtual reality in front of us, which is great, which is awesome. But when we become dependent on it, we lose the the reality of it. We take you take the uh, the awesome classes in the middle school or the high school that you that you've had up until February, and now it's forced into a distance learning situation. And what do you see as as a, as an effective distance learning class, or how close are you to an effective distance learning class, or 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 where you want to be from what you had 
before we had to go to this distance learning model. At the high school level this year, I've taught uh, strength class every single try. Mm -hmm. uh, so first try, I had three of them. Second try, I had two. And then this try, this third try, I have one lifting class. Um, the biggest thing that's really affected me is I have so many students who will come up asking me questions and being able to validate that feedback in an instant. I don't have the opportunity to do that. Um, I do provide a Zoom meeting every single day for our for my or for my lifting class from one to two. I'm, I have a Zoom meeting set up where they can come up and ask me questions. And I've got two kids that show up about daily asking about exercises and asking about well why why is this work compared to that and well how are we supposed to do this workout when it's supposed to be snowing outside so we can brainstorm back and forth. Losing that validation to go into distance learning has been kind of a heartbreaker for me. Because uh, yeah. it, I don't know. I mean, I, I like I pride myself on being able to provide that resource for my students, and you don't get that over email, and you can't get that through the the Google Classroom streaming or you know, hey Johnny, it'd be really let's try and get 50 push-ups today instead of whatever we're supposed to be doing, and that differentiation of challenging your excelled students or accommodating your lower level students is definitely been difficult for this. And you mentioned that differentiation too, because in class, it was, we just take it for granted how easy it is to differentiate or, or uh, be proactive versus reactive. Like I know the student is going to struggle with this activity so I can provide him with this challenge or this equipment. And in the distance learning setting, that's all the more challenging. So Lauren, what, what would you say is a, is your, effective distance your, your dream effective distance learning model well i was just gonna say um when we are in school i like to give my kids a lot of options just so that they're not stuck doing one activity i try to give them a bunch of options that they choose from um and so that's been nice being able to do that because i'm now when they're filling out like their journal entries or their workout logs i'm learning more about them so like I'm learning more about some of my students than I ever knew being in the classroom. Um, just by what workouts they're doing, by like if they're outside chopping wood, if they're, you know, um, doing that kind of stuff. So that's been really cool for me. Um, and I've done some journal entries um, with them last week and just being able to give them feedback. I mean, when you have 40 kids in a class, sometimes it's hard to reach, you know, every single one of them in a class period. Um, but right now I can type out something, a quick message or whatever, um, and kind of connect with them that way. Well, and I'll, I'll interject real quick here because, uh, Lauren, you had said you were really, really competitive and I have students that are really, really competitive. And as a competitive student, I'm looking for that competition. So how, how can I find that competition in your class? Good. Another student might be more of the recreation mindset where, you know, I just like to have fun. I like to be with my friends. I like to joke around. And you have the other students like, I am looking for the easiest way out. How can I check the box and I say I'm done? Right. And I think that's been the biggest challenge because when you're in class, all those competitive kids, you know, they're trying to win whatever, like whatever sport you're playing, whatever game you're playing. Um, so I think this might actually, this distance learning might be better for the kids that are just kind of, you know, let me just do my own thing on my own time um, and things like that. So I definitely don't have the answer to how I can get the kids, you know, to be competitive or the option, I guess, for kids to be competitive. But um, 
I found a couple different things from like PE Central or whatever that are like outdoor uh, scavenger hunts um, that are super simple. It's like everything that you could possibly find outside. Um, and then it's just like a checkbox doing it. And just, I found that once I get my kids more outside that they're more engaged. Well, Jamie, I wanted to first jump on uh, something Steve said there in that interview. Um, we're talking about engagement here. And I thought it was kind of cool that he sent his students out to a state park. Um, obviously something I can't do with my kindergartners, but for his ability to have those kind of students that are free to do that, I think it's a fabulous idea, getting, getting them engaged. And you know, it, it would be fun to see the response of the camera. I could just see some of the pictures, creativity. You know, he just asked for a picture by the state park sign, but you know some of those high school brains were going crazy and they're hanging from the sign or doing something kind of fun. I just feel like, I just picture these kids just having a blast out there going, you kidding me? My assignment is going to go to a state park and hang out for the afternoon? I don't know. Yeah, I, and I have, to take a, I have to take a selfie at the state park yeah. sign. Yeah. So all my other friends can see it. Yeah. So how cool is my teacher for giving us, you know, I'm getting credit for this. And not only that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send Mr. Gerard something he's going to remember and hopefully it'll stay appropriate. But, you know, <laughs> that's, the, that's the fun and the danger of teaching high schoolers. That's, yeah, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I mean, but it, 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 it really feeds something that Steve had talked about was simple is better. And it just feeds into that, to that creativity. You know, we, we, we sometimes overthink things. And he, and he actually admitted that he did too, where he literally put his entire curriculum that he was going to do online for the students yeah. and then had to take a step back in that, in that, with that mentality that simple is better. And that if you want, if you want higher level thinking, just focus on one specific topic and, yeah. and just by making it simpler, you, you in turn, you, you promote that higher level thinking and, and deeper engagement. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. And, and here's an interesting dynamic. Lauren mentioned later giving more options. Mm -hmm. So you, you've got, you've got two dynamics going here of less is more and giving more options and done well, both of them can increase the, the engagement that we're looking for. You know, and that's, uh, and Lauren had talked about it as well. Just, you have so many different learners, whether you're, uh, the, the, like we talked about the competitive learner, you have the recreation learner and you might have somebody that just wants to check the box and say that they're done. And it's, it's just, it, it's a matter of finding a creative way to accommodate all those students in a way that we're not used to. We're used to having them in a, in a gym where we can accommodate, we can differentiate, we can personalize, and, and we're, we can be proactive instead of reactive. Where right now, we are 100, at least I, 100% in reactive mode. And we, I have not learned, I haven't developed the skills or the, or the you know, the, the basket of tools to really, to really do those things in a virtual setting yet. No, it's obviously much harder, at least at this point. Maybe once we get it figured out, it won't feel so hard. But, but absolutely. Um, we talked about gamifying a little bit. And that's also that options, giving options and allowing, you know, what you were just talking about. To, you got a, we got a whole array of learners, some that just want to get, get in and get out to the ones that – Hey, you only you only gave me forty minutes of something to do today. Can you give me more? You know, you've got that whole scale, and that's where options and um, gamifying 
where mm -hmm. you you actually are holding something back from them uh, until they complete a certain level and that type of thing and, and that that sounds like an elementary thing and it is but boy it's it's maybe even more true as you get into the secondary and and um, even into the high school of they're really self-motivated a lot of times and you tell them they can't have something until they do this type of deal and then they'll get on board and they'll go after that well and it's a great way to capture that competitive spirit that lauren was talking about where you know they're used to being in a gym competing against their friends and now yeah. with social distancing we've taken that away and just that that, that gamifying is a way to add that competition that yeah. those some of those students are craving yeah and i like having the options because not all students are competitive and they would just as soon do something for the fun of it and then there's some of us probably most of us by ed teachers that are what <laughs> there's no winner here come on and let's get this thing going and yeah but but the beauty of this is you can you can create lessons where both are there you can have the one that wants to beat their last score and you can have the one that just wants to go out and take a picture of them doing something creative and there's no winners or losers. The beautiful thing is I was just fully enjoying my day being active today. So another thing I found really interesting though, back to the simple is better. And it's just something as simple as giving a comment and, and both of them use that Google Classroom. Something as simple as responding to an assignment and, and how that has boosted engagement at the secondary level. And I can speak to that too at the elementary level that kids are seeking that interaction. They, they wanna hear from their teacher. And just something as simple as a as, as a personalized comment through a, through a Google Classroom is, is pretty profound. Yeah, I'm really glad you brought that up because I just kind of skipped over that. But I was not I was not sure how that would go over in both secondary and elementary levels. Like they would not want to do homework or that type of thing. But I'm kind of finding the opposite is true. They find a lot of validation by turning something in. The teacher writes a comment on it virtually hands it back and there's this personal comment even if it's something that says hey try this different or you need to do this to complete the teacher actually took time and made a comment and obviously encouraging comments go a long way but even where I, i've heard of teachers using this to work with students with their personal goals you know they can say hey try this and you might want to try this and you're guiding them man that that's good for the teacher, number one, because you feel like you're actually teaching, but the students are really responding well to it according to the surveys we've done. And that's, that's where Lauren made a great point too, is where she's actually learning more about her students through distance learning than, than she was necessarily in class. And you have to you know, take everything in perspective. If you have, if you have 40 students in a 30 minute class, you're not, you're not reaching every student every day. As much as we'd like to, there, there are kids that are slipping away and, and, and we try to capture them in other classes or in the hallway or what have you. But now through distance learning, when, when Lauren has her, all, her entire class on Google Classroom and she's responding to everybody's assignment, she is reaching every student every day. Yeah. Yeah, that's a fantastic tool that, and it's not just, obviously, you know, they're using Google Classroom, but there's several tools that most districts have some type of tool like that. that they're, Schoology that they're or a Seesaw, I mean, there's so, there's so many other out there that districts use that yeah. are really the same thing. You know, Lauren brought up one other thing I thought was uh, super interesting about her desire to put her own self out there. She like records herself doing her daily, how she's staying in shape, how she's and enjoying 
physical activity and she wants to put that out there. And I think she phrased it something like, you know, I want to show the students what I'm trying to teach them. I want to be the leader in, in demonstrating this for them. I think she stated it much more eloquently than that, but that was the idea. She's, she's in this, you know, COVID-19 thing too, mm -hmm. but here's how she's doing. So she takes little clips and just puts them out there for students saying, Hey, I'm active. You can do this too. I love it. So real quick, we sent out a, a survey on tracking participation. We've talked a lot about being creative with the content and, and engagement. And now how do we, how do we measure that? What are some tools that we use so that we can put some hard data to the number of students that are actively engaged in, in our activities? And we found uh, you know, about 65% and most, most that responded were elementary teachers, about 65% of the teachers out there are tracking engagement in, in, some, in some fashion. And they're finding that at least 50% of their students are participating. And yeah, that's... initially I thought that was low. <laughs> What do you mean you, you thought that 50% that was low? In, initially, I, I thought that that was pretty low, but then I, I just looked back at my own self and my own dad, and you know, right, now, right now we are considered optional as, as elementary. We're not, we're, not a, we're not required, and that's, uh, you know, that, that's a separate, separate discussion, but as families are overwhelmed, it's just that we, as specials, we were, we were made optional. I just thought 50% you know, participation really didn't, didn't seem that high. Yeah. Yeah, we're not optional, but we're considered optional by the parents. Yeah. I mean, that's just evident. With our, we're going to be giving a grade, but the surveys I've done, the talking to parents, they're just like, I'm, I'm, we're just barely getting through other stuff. Sorry. You know, we're, we're just going to have to deal with it. And the, my participations, uh, we're down well below. We're, we're about a half that. We're about 25%. And to be honest, we're dropping weekly. We haven't found a way to reverse the trend. The, the more, the harder I try, the more it just feels like it's just this slow. It's not a fast skid, but we're not going up each week. You know, and uh, some of the ways people are using to track is just like uh, URL hits, whether they're using a Bitly or some sort of a you know Google Analytics tracker, but but counting how many hits there or, or YouTube views they get on on their on their videos and and those sort of things or assignments in a Google Classroom and. And I think those give us some numbers, but you really got to look at those numbers too, because just because you're getting a view on YouTube doesn't necessarily mean that that activity is actually being done. You know, you know, there's engagement and there's full engagement. And we see that in class too. Kids are engaged in class, but are they engaged in the activity? And that's, that showed up in the survey as well. When we asked teachers how confident they were, there's just not a lot of confidence that, their tracking is is accurate. They're doing they're tracking something. They're doing the best they can, but we really don't know how engaged students are on a uh, on a really good basis. The idea of looking back at this in some way and saying, "What did we learn?" If we need to do this some of this in the future, or maybe we want to incorporate some of this, it would be nice to know what would work. Let's say you're trying, you're trying to expand your classroom two years from now outside of, the, you know, outside of your school walls and trying to do an activity. It would be nice to have some really good data and say, hey, use this type of assignment, don't use this. Or it would be nice to learn from this, this uh, time what we're in. Well, to, to finish up here, I'd like to give some thank yous. I'd like to thank Joe McCarthy from Farmington, uh, the element, elementary fire teacher, Lauren Jokey. She was our 
middle school fine teacher from St. Francis and uh, Steve Gerard, who was our high school teacher from St. Francis as well. Yeah, so, we really we really appreciate uh, their willingness to help us out here. So this is uh, wrapping up uh, part one of this topic. And we're gonna be heading into part two where we're gonna be talking to some secondary students about this topic of engagement. Why, you know, if we're wondering if we're reaching students, why not ask them? And so we're gonna talk a few of them and we put out a, a pretty good survey of, amongst students. And we're gonna tie the two of those together in the next podcast that I think is, you're gonna find super interesting. So with that, hopefully we'll see you next time on Thinking PE. I'm Jamie Snicker. I'm out. Over and out. This is Stacy. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter at Thinking PE and find all our resources at www.thinkingpe.com.